my listener friend. This is Hub welcoming you back to another episode of Teen Titan Wasteland. And I've got a question for you. It's a very important question, and I want you to think about your answer. Y'all ready for this? Now, if your answer was anything other than then I might need you to rethink your answer. Because this is a crazy issue of Teen Titans, and I want to make sure you're coming into it with a proper attitude. And the proper attitude is... etc. Alright, y'all ready for this? Today's synopsis rhyme was submitted on Tumblr by Flonzo. This issue of Teen Titans is sure to be raucous. They might fight a hippie or a colossus. You'll find out soon in the synopsis. Synopsis. Thanks, Flonzo. Teen Titans number 38, April 1972. Through these doors pass the bravest titans of them all. Written by Bob Haney, drotted by George Tuska, with inks by Nick Carty. Teen Titan Roll Call. Lilith, Mal, Wonder Girl, Robin. The Teen Titans are hanging out around the Robo Skyscraper, and Lilith is driving her teammates crazy. She is dancing her ass off to a combination of inoffensive rock music and lyrics that sound like the poetry of a 7th grader whose parents just got divorced. Which is to say, a Doors record. What makes things worse is, it's the same Doors record over and over again. Fortunately, when side one ends for the umpteenth time and the record needs flipping, the offending LP goes missing. Hooray! When Lilith accuses the other Titans of stealing her vile vinyl, they invite her to read their minds in order to prove their innocence. Yeah, that sounds like something a teenager would do. Invite one of their peers to rummage around in their brain and see what their secret thoughts are. What fun! After a quick dip into her teammates' respective brain pools, the telepathic teeny bopper is convinced that none of them is the record thief and storms out of the room. To go take a nine-hour shower the way any sane person would after looking into a teenage boy's mind? No, to confront the true culprit, the team's mentor, Mr. Jupiter, the richest and therefore most trustworthy man in the world. Mal, Wonder Girl, and Robin look on as Mr. J and Lilith have a heated confrontation, which culminates with the uncharacteristically belligerent billionaire throwing Lilith's Doors album in the trash. Hooray! An apparently enraged Lilith storms out of the discerning music critic's office. Soon after she leaves, Jupiter puts on a new record, one the Titans have never heard before. Although they are unable to identify what type of music they are listening to, the teens are super into it. After spending some time listening to the mysterious music, Mal, Wonder Girl, and Robin leave Jupiter Towers to run their errands for the day. As they go, the Titanic trio is confronted by a creepy old balloon vendor. Our heroes are initially suspicious of the bearded balloon enthusiast, but inevitably succumb to the universal appeal of balloons. Oh, balloons, what teen could resist your siren song? As the Titans depart, balloons in hand, the vendor warns them that the next door they walk through will reveal their deepest secret self. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Balloon salesmen are always saying that shit. The young heroes head off on their errands, blissfully unaware that each of them is about to confront their greatest fear. Mal goes to the drugstore to pick up the latest science fiction novel. But as soon as he releases the balloon and walks into the store, he starts tripping balls. He hallucinates that he is the protagonist in a sci-fi tale and must accompany an asshole robot across the surface of the moon for some reason. No big deal, right? Wrong. Being on the moon's desolate surface triggers Mal's nearly crippling agoraphobia. Turns out that when he was a kid, 
a gang of racist assholes named Hell's Honkies beat the shit out of him in a vacant lot, and he's been terrified of open spaces ever since. Huh. You'd think that sort of thing might have come up on one of his previous adventures. You know, like maybe that time he was floating alone in the vacuum of space after he stowed away aboard that rocket to Venus? But I guess not. Anyway, the asshole robot makes fun of Mal until he gets over his fear and finishes his lunar mission. Hooray. Turns out that all you need to overcome a psychological disorder is peer pressure from an imaginary robot. Upon completing his mission, Mal snaps out of his hallucination and finds himself exiting the drugstore with a newly purchased paperback in hand. Weird. Meanwhile, Wonder Girl is running late for her appointment at a wig store. Okay? The tardy Titan decides to make up time by taking the city bus. But as soon as she steps through the vehicle's door, she too starts hallucinating. Hmm, I'm starting to see a trend here. The tripping teen finds herself immersed in a spy drama in which her and a handsome young spy must sneak across the hostile border. Unfortunately, the mission requires Donna to shave her head and pose as a man. This proves to be problematic because apparently her greatest fear is that her Amazonian strength makes her appear masculine and therefore undesirable to men. Huh. She successfully poses as a man, but throughout the gender-bending mission, is convinced that her disguise is repulsing the young secret agent who she is totally into. As they cross the border, the dude Donna is crushing on is injured, and she uses her Amazonian strength to carry him to safety. When she later visits him in the hospital, he thanks her and tells her how convincing her masculine costume was. At first, Donna is devastated. But then he smooches her real good and tells her that she's gorgeous. She awakens from her trip in the wig store and decides that she doesn't need to purchase a fancy wig after all. Her hallucination taught her either to pay less attention to traditional gender roles and that concepts like masculinity and femininity are not so rigidly defined, or that she is a very pretty girl. I'm honestly not sure which, but nice that she's saving some wig money. Meanwhile, Robin has some banking to do. He walks into the bank, makes a deposit, and leaves uneventfully. Just kidding. As soon as he steps through the doors of the bank, he starts hallucinating that he is a test pilot. While out testing a new plane, he spots a pilot who has crashed into the ocean and is signaling for help. He lands his plane and dives repeatedly trying to save the downed pilot, but to no avail. It turns out that Robin's greatest fear is that he will never be as good as Aqualad. Okay, no it isn't, but it should be. The Boy Wonder's real greatest fear is admitting failure. That actually makes a lot of sense. At first, Robin doesn't tell his superiors about the failed rescue attempt. But when he is brought before an inquiry board, guilt overcomes him, and he spills the beans. The board exonerates him of any wrongdoing, and commends him for his honesty in admitting to an incident he finds embarrassing. A relieved Robin awakens, leaving the bank having made his deposit. Later, the three trip-taking teens reconvene at the robo-skyscraper and compare notes on their eventful afternoons. When they get inside, they find a balloon vendor's costume and a bunch of balloons hanging out in Mr. Jupiter's office. That's probably just a coincidence, right? Surprisingly, no. It turns out that when Lilith read their minds, she accidentally saw what their respective hang-ups were and told Mr. J about them. Not cool, Lilith. Jupiter was worried that their phobias could jeopardize them in future missions, so he did what anyone would do in his position. He played hypnotic music for them, dressed up in a creepy costume, and sold them balloons filled with hallucinogenic drugs that slowly seeped through the balloon's membrane. Then he sent them out into the city to have unsupervised drug trips. Naturally. 
The Titans all agree that that was a great idea and they're better off for having been unwittingly dosed by a middle-aged man. Hooray. Mal asks Lilith what her greatest fear is, and she stammers, Why, nothing, nothing, in a totally convincing way. But secretly, her greatest fear is that she will never find her real parents or where her powers come from. Which leads us to... Our next story. Nameless Wander Eye. Written by Bob Haney, drawn by George Tuska, with inks by Nick Cardi. Teen Titan Roll Call. Lilith. Previously in Lilith's backstory. Lilith grows up in a small Kentucky town. As her 13th birthday approaches, her psychic powers begin to manifest. She uses her new abilities to locate a missing boy and find out that she is adopted. Returning to the orphanage where she was left as a baby, she learns that she was left there as a baby, and that her mysterious birth mother was mysterious. Shocking! Satisfied with the non-information she has received, Lilith returns to her adopted parents. But will the telepathic teen remain in her old Kentucky home? Or will she travel the country like a flamehead Littlest hobo searching for answers? Yeah, the second one. A 16-year-old Lilith gets on her motorcycle and hits the road in search of her birth mother. She soon stumbles across a carnival and uses her powers to upstage a fairly shitty red-haired psychic named Reva. Reva's husband, Jack Horn, invites Lilith to join the carnival as a mentalist, and she readily agrees. Her act is a big hit, and everything is going great for a few weeks. Then Lilith notices that she and Reva have the same star-shaped birthmark on their back, and reckons that seeing as they both have red hair, Reva must be her mom. Reva says, yeah, probably and that she gave up a baby for adoption a while ago, and it must have been Lilith. Hooray! Lilith has found her mom. Or has she? Lilith notices some star-shaped tattoos on one of the circus freaks. Hmm. She uses her powers to read Jack and Reva's minds, which it kind of seems like it might have been prudent to have done a couple of days ago, and finds that the two were running the old birthmark slash I'm your mom scam on her to exploit her abilities for profit. Damn. If you can't trust strange carnies, who can you trust? When the distraught Lilith tries to leave, Jack pulls a gun on her. Reva intervenes, and in the ensuing scuffle, the gun goes off and fatally shoots Reva. A dying Reva apologizes and tells her pretend daughter she's sorry for lying to her. A tearful Lilith forgives her pretend mom, leaves Jack in the hands of the police, and heads off on her go-bike in search of her real mom. Bummer. Then we get our third story, Green Arrow's New Partner. Reprinted from Adventure Comics number 260, May 1959. Written by Robert Bernstein, drawn by Lee Elias. Teen Titan Roll Call. Speedy. When Green Arrow goes out for a walk, Speedy becomes suspicious and follows him. Turns out Ollie is stepping out on Roy and is seeing a different teenage boy behind his back. You know, to teach archery shit to. The CAD. Over the next few days, an increasingly jealous and paranoid Roy follows his mentor and spies the Emerald Archer teaching his apparent new protege to use a variety of trick arrows, including an ice-cutting arrow, a harpoon arrow, an avalanche arrow, a sled-building arrow, a buzzsaw arrow, and finally, an imitation moose antler arrow. I guess those are some pretty good arrows. I mean, they're no monkey parachute arrow, but I guess they're okay. Finally, a jilted Speedy can contain his jealousy no longer. He confronts his mentor and demands answers. A surprised Ollie explains that he is training the boy in Arctic archery techniques so that he will be able to assist his police commissioner father in Alaska, where the two fight crime as the Arrows of Alaska. Obviously. G.A. goes on to explain that he didn't tell Roy because he wanted to make sure Roy kept his secret identity safe. You see... 
Ollie was sneaking around behind Roy's back and lying to him for his own good. Aww. Well, surely this is the last time Roy will feel abandoned and betrayed by Ollie. Right? Right? Hmm. Then we have our fourth and final story, Aqualad Goes to School. Reprinted from Adventure Comics number 278, November 1960. Written by Otto Binder. Drotted by Al Plastino. Teen Titan Roll Call! Aqualad! Aquaman decides that Aqualad should receive some formal education and signs him up for school. The problem is, Alad has never been in school before. Except schools of fishes. Huh? Am I right? And they aren't quite sure what grade he should be in. They decide to try him out in Miss Pine's class, which is probably like 8th grade or so, for a couple of weeks, and then give him a test and see if he can stay. Aqualad is wicked smart, and all the other kids love him because he's objectively the greatest. So it seems like this school shit should be a piece of cake. Unfortunately, the day before the test, the marine teen is rescuing a drowning sailor when a sailboat knocks him on the head. In the sailboat's defense, the way Plastino draws Aqualad, I don't see how it could very well miss hitting his head. The kid's like three-quarters noggin. He looks like Modoc Jr. It's weird. The accident leaves Aqualad a little addled in the brain, but the school's crusty old principal insists that the test proceed as scheduled. So Aquaman uses his telepathic powers to make the fish outside the school's window help Aqualad cheat on his test. For real. Aquaman figures it isn't really cheating, since Aqualad would have known the answers if he didn't have a brain injury, so having the fish give him visual cues to remind him of what he already knows is totally cool. With the help of his finny friends, Aqualad aces his test and gets to stay in Miss Pine's class. Hooray! Hooray for cheating! And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's going good. Man, a lot to unpack here. So what'd you think? Where to start, man? Okay. Where to start? I'll tell you where I'm going to start. This is, I think, maybe my favorite comic book yet. Mm. Maybe my favorite comic book ever. You know, I also think that this was the comic book, this particular issue was the one that you used to sell me on the idea of uh, doing this. I think I showed you a few panels from it, yeah. This was, I'm pretty sure, the first Teen Titan comic book that I ever bought and ever read. And it was what made me decide that I needed to get the rest of this series because it was so fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love it. It's great. Um, let's just start at the beginning. All right. Woo! Woo. Hallucinogenic balloons. Involuntary I, I can't even find the words to describe what Mr. Jupiter did to these kids. He dosed them. Yep. He he spiked their balloons, and he, he dosed them. He straight up fucking dosed them. But also... But they're cool with it. Because they're like, hey, Lilith, read our minds. But the reason that... Uh, okay, I'm, the chronology is getting mixed up for me. Did she fight with Mr. J before or after they asked her to read the minds? After. Okay, got it. So she was like, she went to him and she was like, uh, like, why do you hate the, the doors so much? Jim Morrison's a poetic genius. By the way, I read everybody's mind. And he's like, oh, yeah, we need to make them hallucinate about all their f greatest fears. Yeah, it really seems like they must have had that planned beforehand. But no, nah, apparently he's just got contingency plans in case Lilith comes to him. Because within minutes of that, he's like, finally a chance to put on my old balloon vendor disguise. Yeah, and use these uh, these drug osmosis trippy balloons. Oh, and the hypnotic music. Uh, Raga. I believe it was. I believe it was not Raga. 
Oh. I, I believe it was, that was one of several things that it was not. Oh, that's true. That's true. It was not rock. It was not rock. It was, it was not, not folk, I don't think. It was not raga. You're right. What was it? It was just some weird stuff that made them all. Well, it's not rock. It's not raga. And it's not country. Oh, okay. So probably bluegrass. Mm, that's pretty close to country. I'm thinking it's ska. No, it's not relaxing, though. Can be. It's probably reggae. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> wow. So, okay, so he doses them. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't skip this. He dresses up like an old balloon vendor. Mm. And that's called a freak. An old freak. <laughs> But they're totally unsuspicious. Now, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and saying that the music had already started the hypnotic process on them. Yeah, it was the power of, uh, what? Suggestion? Yeah. It was crazy hypnotic music that made them susceptible to suggestion. Robin was high as shit. They were all high as shit. They were loving the good vibes. I think Donna actually looked the highest. So, yeah, there's a panel where they are just all looking just high as shit. And yeah, Robin is going, could be music to unwind to. So that's what I'm into, unwinding. Which I don't think is always the case with Robin. No, no, but good for him. And Mal says, whatever it is, I'm getting very good vibes. Mm-hmm. And Donna is just has a look of sheer ecstasy on her face and is saying, likewise. Mm. Mm. Now, you had a question before we started doing this, which was you were wondering where someone was. Yeah, yeah. Um, Speedy is conspicuously absent. Mm-hmm. And Kid Flash is absent. And Aqualad. And there's a lot of people that are missing in this one. Now, I have a theory as to where they might be. I would be curious to hear your theory. Well, how does the pan- how does the book open? Well, there's some groovy music playing. It's the doors. Yeah, so there's not some groovy music playing. The doors are playing. <laughs> And they're dancing. Yeah, and Lilith is dancing her ass off. She is go-go dancing. Oh, I know where they went. They're working out. They're in the fucking training room. <laughs> That's right. They are spending the next two days in that training room working out. I am surprised that Robin is not joining them. But I, I, I'm proud of him for being able to suppress his urge to just go work out as soon as someone starts gyrating. Yeah. But that that is definitely where the other Titans are. That makes perfect sense. It's happened before with, with Donna and, uh, and Lilith's... Uh... Lithe figure undulating to. She's also wearing an, reason, an outfit that I think I think it's a again a coloring issue, but she is wearing what appears to be a cut off dress. Like it looks like it's supposed to be short jorts that were cut off, but it's a same color as the dress that she's wearing. Yeah. So she's wearing like canary. jorts mini a canary yellow jorts mini dress. It's a good look. It's not a bad I'm look. just saying it, it, the art in this is beautiful. It's it's mm-hmm. once again Tusca with Cardi inks, mm-hmm. and it looks nice. But yeah, that's where everybody is. They're off working out. Training. It, makes, it makes perfect sense. That yeah. was bothering me. I was like, where are the other guys? And uh, they're just there's right. going to be a couple days because that's a oh, pretty yeah. sexy day. That's a, that's that's at it. least two days yeah. of of solid workouts. Mm-hmm. So then Mr. J drops in his old balloon vendor uniform, and you know he has been dying to put on that costume for a while. So he sells them balloons filled with hallucinogenic gas that is slowly time-released as they are walking around with it. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to believe he didn't just dose the Titans, he dosed everybody that they walked by. Yeah. And they were not... The bystanders were 
not privy to his specific suggestions. Mm-hmm. So really, it seems like anything could have set them off. Mm-hmm. They're probably just freaking out. Sure. And Mal calls his balloon a flunky mm-hmm. and releases it. Yep. I wasn't sure if he was supposed to be saying funky, but I really like the idea of like, I'm tired of this flunky balloon. This balloon needs to stand up for itself. Yeah. Be its own balloon. Do it. Fly off. Be free. And then we get into the first of the hallucinations, Mal's. Which I think is actually my favorite. I went back and forth. I liked all of them a lot, actually, for different reasons. Robin's made the most sense to me. Robin's made the most sense. It was the most straightforward, and I think it was the most in keeping with his character's development up Mm -hmm. until this point. Mal's was probably the most fun, I think, to read, although Donna's was really fun for me, too. I I thought that was a really cool story, actually. The problem I had with Mal's is it's not in keeping with what we know of Mal's so far. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, in this story, we find out they each have to confront their greatest fear. Mal's greatest fear is he's agoraphobic. Mm -hmm. He's afraid of wide open spaces. Mm -hmm. And the way he has to confront that is by going into space and going on a moonwalk. It is completely forgetting about the fact that dude has spent significant time in space. His very, one of his very first adventures as a Titan, he is off solo in space with Kid Flash without a spaceship around him. He has to leap out. They're free-floating in space and could be lost forever. There's nothing around them. And that did not trigger his agoraphobia. Yeah, no, in fact, that's his dream, is to, to be the first like kid from the... Yeah, he totally to wanted to go to space. He yeah. couldn't wait. That being said, I did like the backstory. And part of what I liked about it was... I, I mentioned earlier that Osvaldo sent me some stories of early 70s Bronx, and you see... Uh, basically an exploded looking building and that is more one of his greatest fears started mm-hmm. was being in this in a vacant lot that had previously been a building he wanted to escape through the alleys probably pole vault around in them and he was unable to do that and he got jumped by a gang called hell's honkies since then he's been afraid of open spaces because he was cornered and he couldn't run away he got beat up bad he got beat up real bad yeah but then he starts having his space adventure and there's a robot that is his pal, but it's kind of his dick pal. Jerk. Yeah, this robot's a real asshole. But what struck me was how much this robot looks like a Cylon from the original Battlestar Galactica. And this book predates that by like a good like five or six years. Oh. It's basically he gets confronted by the, the, his dick robot pal is a Cylon who has two eyes and nipples. And uh, pancake feet. I don't know that the original Cylons didn't have pancake feet. No, they were like big boots. They had big big boots? Big silver boots. Okay. Not pancakes. It's a cool looking robot, though. Well, yeah, it it basically keeps calling him a dummy, and he he doesn't like humans. Which, it's weird to have, like, a robot have that much vitriol in it, and specifically be like, stupid, emotional humans, I hate them so much! Psychologically weak, physically weak... Why can't I just go power the spaceship? You it, have to do it. Yeah, but it, it's so weird to have a yeah a robot be that petty and small-minded. But I, I enjoyed it. And then at the end, the robot uh, developed a grudging respect for Mal. Yep, and I think it really gave Mal the kick in the pants he needed to confront his great fear of agoraphobia. Yeah. So, and he comes out of the whole thing feeling a lot better. I like that we learned that Mal's a big science fiction fan. Mm-hmm. I like the book that he went to buy. Is it Proud to be Green? I think it was Green is Beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's about a Martian from the Martian ghetto. Yeah. It was, it was pretty fun. Um, then we get on to Donna's story, and Donna's on her way to a hairdresser named Anatoly. <sighs> Why are you shaking your head? You didn't like this story? 
I, I no. Why not? Because it was annoying that she's like the probably the toughest titan in terms of abilities and sure. her whole thing she's shaken up about is like um being worried that she's not feminine enough. But I really liked the idea that the end result of the story is her, uh, her being okay with being more masculine and that it doesn't matter how she is perceived. I think that's a really charitable view of it because the end of the story that makes her okay with it is that she puts on a wig and is sexy again and then gets no, a kiss it's... from her love interest. I think that the wig was put on at the last minute. I think it was... <laughs> I, I really I I got this that it, it it's that she's fine with being perceived as more masculine and that it, that she is still a beautiful person regardless of the the gender that that is assigned to her mm. and that she is confident being herself and that it doesn't matter. Uh, I I thought that it was it was a great moral and a good story and it's like it, I thought it was really cool. I really thought that the moral of the story is the whole uh, gender not being a binary thing. <laughs> Whereas I just got, I'm still pretty as long as I've got a nice wig. But then she doesn't get the wig at the end because she realizes that it doesn't matter. She still has her, her, her beautiful locks. No, she still has her beautiful locks. She, let, I'm, I'm going to find the quote because I got a very different read on this story than you did, apparently. Mm. It could be the wine is making me cynical. Yeah, she'll never fear losing her femininity again. The wig, oh, I don't want it. I don't need it anymore. <laughs> and Natalie's such a jerk. He's a weirdly drawn jerk. Too. He, he. <laughs> Mademoiselle, do you wish the wig or non? <laughs> you are driving Anatoly furious. Oh, that poor guy from wherever he's from. Yeah. I'm going to say Switzerland. Because I think he's speaking a mixture of Italian and French accent. Yeah, I, I don't so, know. So uh, he's from Zurich. Fair enough. Who can tell? He's got that shitty Zurich haircut. That's how they do that. But, yeah, see, so this dude that, that Donna's been crushing on, is like, we did it, Donna. Thanks to your Amazonian strength and disguise, you even had me believing you were a guy. And he's like, just as I feared, he'll never look at me again without remembering me, seeing me as a man, not female. And then he smooches her. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter that she's, if he sees her as a man or a woman, he loves her. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's what I got out of it, and I thought it was pretty cool. And I thought she looked pretty good bald. Like a Turkish student. Like a Turkish student. Yeah. That was such a stretch. What? <laughs> That's like, we found this idea of this one, like, man. Oh, yeah, bald, yeah, yeah. Like, Turkish student who bears a striking resemblance to you, Donald Trump. But yeah, if you, shave, if you shave your head and... Uh... And put some makeup on, you can look mm -hmm. like this dude. Nice trench coat. And she does, though. Shirt and tie. Yeah. It's a good look. Mm -hmm. Clean cut look. Yeah, right. I like it. Yep. It's a good time. Grids makes your uh, Annie Lennox. And then we get the Robin story. Mm -hmm. What'd you think of that? Uh, pretty good. I The thing that I enjoyed most, I think, about all these stories is the way in which the Titans dealt with being thrust into a crazy hallucination. And they were just like, wow, that's weird. One minute I was doing this, and now this crazy thing is happening. Yeah, when they come out of it, they're just like, oh, man, that's interesting. I guess I just tripped for like two hours. Yeah, that was weird. Oh, yeah, well, feeling pretty good now. Because mm -hmm. um, Robin goes into the bank. Sure. Which a lot of us have done, and winds up upside down in some crazy airplane thing over the sea. And it's like, ah, oh, this plane's going to Like drop. a lot of us have done. That's the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> I, you know, it's so identifiable. If that happened to me, I would, the plane would crash, and I would die. Mm. Most likely. 
Well, you hadn't been traded by Batman your whole life. That's got to make a difference. Mm. Hence, what I liked about complex. this story the most is that, unlike the other two stories, I feel like this actually does explain his previous behavior and that his his greatest fear is canonical with the way that he's been written. Mm-hmm. In this, his greatest fear is of not even a fear of failure, but a fear of admitting failure. And that totally would help explain why he's such a dick all the time. Agreed. And... I, I am curious if he will be written differently coming out of this. I suspect not, because I don't think Bob Haney remembers things that he's written. Mm, too many balloons. Yeah. But it, I thought that was really cool. And then they all go and they uh, they talk with Jupiter again. And he, he goes back into his balloon vendor mm-hmm. disguise and is just like, It was me all along. Mm-hmm. I'm the old freak from a horror movie, mm-hmm. but my balloons are varied today. Mm-hmm. He's got some new up, up-to-date balloons that the kids go fucking crazy for. Mm-hmm. It's made me realize I should get some new balloons. Probably. You've been very kind not to point it out, but my balloons are so yesterday. Yep. I've got some fucking straight-up 90s balloons. Yeah, no drugs. Yeah. No, nothing. They just look like shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. I'll get some new balloons. Yeah, let them go. Get rid of those flunkies. Man, <laughs> that balloon is such a flunky. I'm tired of this flunky balloon. I'm not bringing it into the drug shop with me. Yeah, the druggist. Drug, what is the... Druggist. No, but the... Oh, uh, he calls it the druggie. Yeah, because the, the panel, the sign is truncated, kind of. But yeah, it says druggist. Druggist. Yeah. But uh, later he does... I think he calls it the... Dr- I'm going down to the druggie to get... Yeah, my book. My book, called mm. Green is Beautiful. Mm. About Martians. Yeah. Living in the Martian ghetto. Man, the more I learn about this Mal character, the, the cooler he seems. He's fucking rad. Dude, that he went... He stowed away aboard a rocket ship to Venus having a fear of, uh, of open spaces. Mm-hmm. Man, what a guy. And then we get to the very end of the story where basically Jupiter does his reveal, says what what, what happened... I drugged you guys, but it was for your own good. And they're all just like, that is so cool. Yeah. Thanks. You're so smart to drug us like that. Which may be more hypnotic suggestion. I don't know. I I think it was a dick move. It was kind of a dick move. No, I I wasn't saying that, but you were saying that Jupiter was a bad guy. I was saying he was a jerk face. Oh, he is kind of a jerk face. He's very wealthy. And therefore, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying. Dude, how would you feel if somebody made you hallucinate your greatest fear? Afterwards, would you be like, oh, thanks, that was I would awesome. probably be opposed to it. Yeah. But if I got a sweet balloon out of the deal. They did let the balloons go, man. That's not his fault. That's because those kids are high as F. Yeah, well, fucking you get high, you hang on to your balloon. Probably not going to happen unless I, like, tie it around me. And then I'm going to be like, ow, oh, what is this horrible thing? You might want to keep the balloon with you as, like, kind of a totem for the night. You know? Mm. That, that shit can happen. Yeah. So I want Randy Macho Man Savage to just talk me through the whole thing. Of course, that's not going to make sense to anybody. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) There's a great song called Speaking from the Heart by Macho Man Randy Savage. And if you listen to the song, it really does sound like he is trying to guide you through a bad acid trip. It's very soothing. When, When you listen to the song, it's like, okay, you and the Macho Man Randy Savage have just done too much acid. And you are having a bad trip. Mm -hmm. Now, Macho Man's trying to guide you through this trip. But he has also done, objectively, a lot of acid. He's just (laughs) handling it better. 
That might have to be the closing music for this issue. I think so. Also, nobody in the song knows how to pronounce the word macho. They keep saying macho. It's really weird. I think that's enough. (laughs) And that sums up that part of the issue, which, again, I will say, I think I liked it better than you did. It is my favorite Teen Titans story so far. It was a delight. It it was great. I loved all three of the stories. I I would have difficulty choosing a favorite story from them. Uh, Although I think your least favorite may have been my favorite because I really did like the Donna story. Mm. Yeah, just a fucking delight. We can agree on that. Then we get to the backup issues, which the transition to that is at the end of it, Mal is like, wow, you really found out all of our greatest fears. That's crazy. What's your greatest fear? And her response is, why, no, nothing. And then turns away. And everybody is cool with that. They're like, oh, I guess she's not afraid of anything. Yeah. It is the most suspicious behavior possible. Mm-hmm. And we find out that her greatest fear is never finding out who her parents are. And then that launches us into the Lilith story. That was some heavy shit. Dude, that was a dark little tale. Mm-hmm. And also, she is no closer to finding out her parents, except very, very slightly. I want, And I wonder if that is the arc that is happening, is if it's just going to be process of elimination. Every story, she finds out that one more person is not her mom. Mm. And then maybe that person gets killed. Mm. Because, yeah, it it is a crazy story. It's weird that she does not have more trust issues. Yeah. God, it has got to fuck with your head so much being psychic. Mm. I we, we have talked about that a few times before, but it's not good, especially in adolescence. And, and that was a thing, too, with the beginning of this issue, where it started off that, like, you know... Generally, my suspension of disbelief is, 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 is it works fine. Sure. I read these comics, so I was like, totally plausible. But this one started with a bunch of teenagers being like, you know what would be awesome? If you could read our minds. Yeah. I was like, uh. Yeah, that is probably true. probably not realistic. It's like, oh, that'll be funny. Yeah, why don't you read our minds? Yeah. Yeah, that is. And, and that immediately, I mean, yeah, she went and talked to Jupiter about it, but she didn't just have a look of abject horror on her face and slap the shit out of them (laughs) because these are teenage boys that she was just gyrating in front of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is no way that I would be like, yeah, read my mind, Lilith. No, Mm -hmm. no, I I would flee the room and go and train for two days. Jim Morrison has bad poetry and you've got a nice butt, you know. Yeah, that's a very brief synopsis, yes. (laughs) The clean clean version. She does like Jim Morrison way too much, which is to say some. (laughs) She's going to be really mad at Aqualad if she finds out. Oh, God. What happened. Yeah. 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 I knew a guy in, in college who went to get a tattoo of Jim Morrison. And so he brought his favorite Jim Morrison CD with him, his favorite Doors CD, to the tattoo artist with him, and got the tattoo, and only realized days later that he had brought the soundtrack to the movie The Doors, and that he had a picture of Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison. (laughs) I love that. Uh, I am glad that guy has that on him forever. And I would so much rather have a tattoo of Val Kilmer than of... Jim Morrison. Although it would not be the Jim Morrison Val Kilmer. It'd be like a real genius Val Kilmer, probably. Real genius would be a good choice. I'd go maybe with a top secret Val Kilmer, Uh where they're doing uh, skeet surfing. There's uh, maybe a tombstone. The Doc Holliday Val Kilmer. A lot of good Val Kilmers to choose from. Might go with MacGruber. Probably not the uh, Dr. Moreau one. Uh, I haven't seen that movie. 
Was that the name of it? Did I make Island of Dr. Murrow? The Marlon, old Marlon Brando and uh, Val Kilmer? Yeah, I think so. Not as good. Not as fine as Twerk. No, not as good as MacGruber. Not maybe even as good as the Doris movie. Oh, that movie is so bad. Have you seen it recently? Uh, no, not since I was a kid. It is so crazily bad. Mm. It is so crazy bad. We are getting just the tiniest bit off topic here. Yeah, let's maybe... Let's let's talk about the Lilith story a little bit more. So, Lilith gets on her motorcycle and encounters a traveling circus mm-hmm. where she sees a mentalist. Mm-hmm. The mentalist has red hair and is a shitty, shitty mentalist. Yeah, bad job. The whole, all the crowds are making fun of her for being such a bad mentalist. Mm-hmm. And then Lilith shows up and straight up doxes a dude. And they're all like, oh shit, you should travel with us. Like, the the previous mentalist, Rita, I think her name is, mm-hmm. is unable to identify what's in a dude's pocket. She says it's a rabbit's foot. It's not. And Lilith is just like, oh, it's a credit card. Here's the name on the credit card. Here's the number of the credit card. I bet everybody there was writing that shit down. Yeah, straight up docs is a dude. And then the unscrupulous people are like, hey, join our circus. And she's like, yeah, I will. There's a weird scene where she gets introduced, like, apropos of nothing, is introduced to, she's been traveling with them for, like, four days, and then she's introduced to, like, seven circus freaks, which I think was just a, like, oh, hey, we're at a circus, of course we should have a panel of that. Right. And then she finds out that the lady pretending to, that the lady is just like, oh, shit, I think I probably am your mom. Look, we have the same birthmark. Mm-hmm. And I gave up a daughter at one point. And Lil's just like, sweet. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, doesn't right confirm there. it psychically, and... That seems like a mistake. It kind of is. I mean, it definitely is. And then she's like, she she sees that the, it's a tattoo, the birthmark isn't real. Here's the thing. I don't understand how hereditary birthmarks like that work. Is that a real thing? Mm-mm. It's not. I'm not an authority on the subject, it but seems I'm, like I'm, I'm going to go probably out on a limb not. and say no. Yeah. I, I, it's a weird... And also, birthmarks aren't... To my understanding, like that geometrical, it was like a star shape. Yeah, it was a star shape. But Lilith has one, and then this lady had one, so she's like, "You got to be my mom." Mm-hmm. That pops up in a bunch of like fantasy shit and like fairy tales, like, "Oh, he's got a birthmark, the shape of a crown, therefore you know he's the king." Sure. I, I don't know. I feel like birthmarks are a mysterious thing, and people don't really know a ton about them. I know there are certain types of them that are not genetic, but certain types of them are genetic. I just don't know how specific it is. Mm. But it seems like bullshit. I'm going to go with bullshit. Okay. What was your favorite part of the Lilith story? That is a good question. Thank you. I thought of it myself. I think my favorite part was um, when she's hanging out with all the other circus performers, like the sort of B-listers, like the strong guy and everything. And then the evil stepfather is like, ah, stop hanging out with them. These guys are beneath you. And, And she was like, ah, why? They're so cool. Why do you think, oh, do you think it was just because he didn't want her to find out that the tattoo artist had tattooed? Yeah, exactly. But yeah. that but that scene, and like, where it's just like she was finding her people, and she was so happy, she was like, ah, I'm like one of, one of us, one of us, yeah. you know? And, and then, like, the tragedy, sort of, of that being taken away from her, and then it just gets... Well, I think the tragedy of it is just when her mom fucking gets offed by her stepdad. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it's not her mom. She made up the whole thing. and But still, she was yeah. just like, I wish you were my mom. I wish you were my daughter. Uh, and she's no closer to finding out. And then she, you know, littlest hobo style, hits the road again to yeah. try to have another adventure. It's hard to have yeah, a favorite part Yeah, that's very strange. 
the the part that I liked about it was that that sense of community and camaraderie that she had briefly a, a, that she had for of. I think exactly one panel. Yeah, <laughs> that I felt good when I read that. I was okay. like, oh, you found your people. Yeah, a weird story and and dark and yeah. The there's a, a scene that happens in silhouette of her stepdad shooting her mom and it's very dramatic and yeah. wow, really shitty. Yeah, really shitty. Ugh. It's amazing that she still comes out of this shit so trusting. And that sometimes she will use her psychic powers at the drop of a hat, and sometimes not at all. Yeah, well, consistency isn't... Consistency is a hobgoblin of a mind that does not belong to Bob Haney. That's a good way to put it. Oh, it's an old saying. (laughs) (laughs) So, then we get the speedy story. Uh, This is just some goofy-ass fun. What a hoot. Yeah. More arrows than you can shake a stick at. Okay, so what was your favorite part of this story? Mm, maybe the antler arrow. Maybe yeah. the ice cutter arrow. The, the arrows are all great. My favorite thing was just how much like an old married couple Speedy and Green Arrow are. And how Ugh, just super hurt weird. and suspicious Speedy was yeah. that... Green Arrow is stepping out on him with another teen boy. Yeah, and the way he's drawn, too, it looks like he's, like, ten. Yeah. This, and he's, like, you know, watching Oliver Queen get dressed for the evening. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, he's just, just like, oh, we should be going out. Yeah. Uh, I, I <laughs> Yeah, and when, <laughs> when Ollie's like, here's that ice cream you asked for, and he just resentfully is like, thanks. I know where you were. You were out with that hussy. I'll still eat it. I'm mad. <laughs> mm, I'm going to eat this ice cream very angrily. Mm. Yeah, it's just goofy malarkey fun. I want to read of the adventures of shitty Alaskan knockoff Green Arrow and his sidekick. You mean Arrows of Alaska? Yes, the Arrows of Alaska. Yeah, I want that to be a miniseries at least. Yeah, it's like a the name of like a sounds like an indie band from here. Oh, totally. Arrows, Arrows of, of Alaska. Alaska. Great. Now we need to start an indie band. Sorry. I'm already starting a band called Karate Bear. Did I tell you about that? <laughs> no. Well, I was at the, the theater. And <laughs> dad made a dad joke. Mm. That was he was going to see Kung Fu Panda 3. Mm. And he came up to the ticket booth and was like, yeah, I need uh, three tickets for Karate Bear. Mm. And his kids got so mad at him and were like, dad, that's <laughs> not what he's called. He's like, oh, it's not? Yeah, three for Karate Bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. It's pretty good. And uh, yeah, it makes me happy every time I think of it. Mm. And yeah, Karate Bear. Karate Bear. It's a good name for a band. All right. Karate Bear, maybe opening for Arrows of Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it could happen any night. Yeah. They would totally play with like Archers of Loaf. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The sea and cake. (laughs) Then we get a fucking delightful train wreck of an Aqualad story, Mm. which the whole story is... Aquaman helps Aqualad cheat on a test. That was weird as shit. <laughs> oh my god. I loved it. The whole moral of the story is, is like, okay, if you know enough stuff, but you forget the stuff because you're doing something heroic, right? it totally isn't cheating if you cheat. No, it's not cheating if you really know the stuff anyway. But you can't remember But it. you can't remember it. Yeah. Yeah. It happens to me all the time. It does. But there's no whales or sawfish helping me out. No. Well, here's the thing, also. Mm. That test is some bullshit. Because it's like, name a, a, a creature from Greek mythology, and he says the Trojan horse. And they're like, correct. 
Yeah. That is such a fucking stretch. Well, also, the test is to get into what, like... Fifth grade? Fifth grade, <laughs> so... No, because I think he's a teenager at this point, so it's got to be at least, like, eighth grade. He's not drawn as a teenager. No, he's, he's not drawn, drawn as a teenager. He's, kid, he's, like well, he's not even drawn as a little kid. He's drawn, like, fucking Modoc's older brother. Like, he's the kid's all head. Is He's weirdly drawn. But yeah. I'm going to say he's, like, he's like eight or nine, maybe. Yeah, the, the art in this is by Al Plastino, and uh, it, it's... It's not what I'm used to seeing. Like, even from Silver Age Aquaman stuff, I'm used to seeing Ramona Fraden's art. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot smoother than this. It is a weird looking Aqualad. It's a little rough. He knows his sea creatures. He knows his sea creatures and almost nothing else, but that's okay because all of the information on Tess is fucking made up as shit. For instance, did you know that News was an acronym for Northeast, West, South? I do now, and I wrote it down. Ah, do you know what else? That's, That's not true. I thought not. <laughs> I was gonna take the time to verify that before we recorded. Yeah, but I didn't. No, that is that is just some bullshit. That's, That's a like damn shame. I know. Wouldn't that be fun if it was? That would be the best. But yeah, there. He's the curriculum of this school is like internet rumors. So that means that there's not a famous uh, famous uh, Indian name rain rain in the face. There might be. I didn't check that one out. Okay. But I don't think there is. That was one of the other fifth grade. To get into fifth grade. Yeah, you gotta know that. And also, but the fact that, like, one of the questions is, what was the famous ship that was sunk in a Civil War battle? Mm. And the way that Aquaman has the fish give him the clue for this is to raise the ship up. Mm -hmm. And he is like, he immediately recognizes it by name. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, wait, uh, what's the good name of an iron... Sh- what, what's the name of that iron ship? And then he sees an iron ship, and he's like, oh, the Merrimack. Mm-hmm. And I would have just been like, oh, that's old Ironsides. Yeah. You would have failed. That's the only one. That's I why you'll never get into eighth grade, Corey. Uh, wait, fifth grade. Don't eighth grade. Don't. Is this eighth grade? We, we just determined that. Oh. He's not drawn as it, but he's a teenager. Okay. Well, so eighth grade for me. <laughs> Sorry, Corey. Well, wait. Do you know any uh, bullshit acronyms? I can. I can give you some bullshit acronyms. Proceed. Okay. Um. No, nope, got nothing. <laughs> you are you are a liar. Yeah. No, I thought I had some, but I hit my head and I forgot. And Aquaman's not here to like spy and help me out. So, you know. So no eighth grade for you. Sorry. <sighs> fine yeah i would just be like hey did you know that uh fuck stands for for unlawful carnal knowledge okay you had that one ready yeah that's always ready (laughs) it's also total bullshit Mm. but that's what you need to get into eighth grade you gotta know one bullshit acronym Mm -hmm. one i'm just gonna say kind of synonym like the the trojan horse being a mythical animal all right such a fucking stretch okay like is like if they were like okay so what's a what's a famous shoe and i would say italy <laughs> they'd be like oh yeah that yep, was, okay that yeah yeah you're, you're in yeah what 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 famous countries look like feet it'd be like louisiana and they'd be like yep <laughs> like a boot good enough close enough yeah in. yeah hop on board yeah, yeah. that's kind of a country yeah, yeah you're in charge you're the, you're the king of eighth grade yeah well, it's kind of like a proxy for France. and Yeah. You know, so but go. my favorite part of the story, and uh, let's go with, let's start with favorite panels. Are you ready for that? Or there was, were there any other issues you wanted to bring up with the uh, Aqualad story? So like an acronym 
Okay, S- sorry. S-H-I-T? Yeah. Okay. Some horses instigate trouble. A lot of people don't know what that that's what that's short for. Okay, you barely get into eighth grade, Corey. <laughs> you can't have plots. Well... <laughs> A horse is a very valuable creature. A lot of people don't know No, we're not going to get another arithmetic (laughs) lesson from you. Horse has four legs. No, 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 no. Okay, fine, fine. Enjoy eighth grade. Thanks. Um, (laughs) So, what was your favorite panel from the Aqualad story? Do you have one? There are so many crazy things that happen when they take the figurehead of the boat that's supposed to be the Mona Lisa (laughs) and they raise it up and the octopus Pusses uh, make a little frame around yeah, it so we'll recognize it. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was charming. That was charming. That was an ugly ass figurehead, too. Ugh. Yeah. How not you? not what, cool. What do you got for, for Aqualad's? Uh, oh, thing? hands down, it was the final panel of it where all of the fish are laughing behind his back and Aquaman is smirking along with them. He doesn't even know no. that that was on purpose. See, that. Oh. He's like, man, why are the fish acting up so much? And there's like a school of sharks and whales and octopuses behind him mm-hmm. who are just laughing their fish asses off mm-hmm. at him. They're like, we were brain controlled into helping you pass the test. <laughs> you fucking moron. You don't even know what news is an acronym for. Yeah, we don't even know what a compass is and we made one. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're great. Yeah. Oh, so do you think Jabberjaws was with them? What? Do you know Jabberjaws? No, not personally. It was part of the, uh, there was a Hanna-Barbera thing where they had a formula for cartoons trying to follow the Scooby-Doo success. Okay. Where it was like, okay, group of teens, Mm -hmm. magical talking creature, Mm -hmm. they solve mysteries together. Okay. One of them was Jabberjaws, who was a talking shark who played drums in a rock band called the Neptunes, but he had the voice of Curly from the Three Stooges. Oh, that's ringing a weird bell. Man, that's ringing all your bells. Whoa, Hanna-Barbera was some weird shit. Yeah, my favorite was the Funky Phantom. The Revolutionary War Ghost. What was the Gleep and Gloop? Was that the name of those? those Oh, okay, yeah, that's from the Hercules. I think that was Hanna-Barbera, but that was from the World of Super Adventure, which didn't follow that formula. That was part of the whole Space Ghost and the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Space Ghost and Hercules, that was my jam. Yeah, that was good stuff. What was your favorite panel from the Speedy? I think my favorite panel was the one where... (laughs) (laughs) Where he fires the antler arrow? Yeah, this kid wanders into the moose cage. (laughs) There was something funny to me about the idea of there being a moose cage at the zoo. Well, okay, so, and also this is, I think the days before there was like building codes that said, you know, moose cage bars have to be... (laughs) Like, not wide enough for a kid to walk through. Oh, God, I bet this incident sparked some of those laws being made. So the moose has these antlers. There's no way he's going to walk out of that cage, you know, if they're, like, you know, a foot apart. So they were like, fine, the moose is not getting out no matter what. (laughs) Didn't account for this kid just being like, oh, wow, that's a moose. You don't just need to keep the moose in. you got to keep the kids out. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. (laughs) That was really good. There's also, there's a nice one where... He's practicing an ice-cutting arrow, and it makes the sound effects rip crump. Yeah. Which, man, rip crump. Yeah. That's a good name. Mm-hmm. Rip Torn, but... Or Rip Taylor. Crump. You think Rip Taylor and Rip Torn ever hung out? Probably not. They don't seem like they would travel in the Were same circles. Were they contemporary? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. My favorite panel, It's I think it's on the second page, 
and it's just when Speedy is resentfully receiving his ice cream from Green Arrow. <laughs> it's a total like jilted lover. Like. Oh, it's yeah, it's 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 so weird. It is really weird. Okay, what's your favorite panel from the Lilith story? I I called it um, Lilith's big bummer, and it's on page seven. It's when her mom gets shot. Oh, okay. And it's, I feel weird saying that's a favorite panel because it's, it's really so well done. Sad, but it's kind of the sad. one that where it's in silhouette. Yeah, and the dad looks like so bummed out where he really okay. Like, then it's not accident. the panel that it's in silhouette because he doesn't look bummed out. It's the one after. It's the one okay. after it where he realizes what's happened. Yeah, and she like, turns him into the cops, and he apparently just waits around for the cops because he feels bad about it. Yeah. But it's it's really well drawn and super dramatic and it's very sad. But it was yeah. I think it was well done. well done. My favorite was when Lilith doxed the asshole mm. because not only is it great that she just you know shared his made him totally rife for identity theft, but there's a guy in the background of that panel. <laughs> he looks so dumb, and he's saying, "Amazing." He's not sure though. He's not sure if it's amazing or not. He's saying it with an question mark and an exclamation point everybody is astounded but this one guy just looks so dumb and Lilith saying i know what it is a credit card with the name willis t hall number eight two six four nine eight j and the, the guy is so dumb that he's like that's exactly right that's right wow instead of being like um no that's not what it says group of bystanders yeah yeah, that's my favorite. Mostly because of how dumb the guy with the hat who's not sure if it's amazing or not looks. Or maybe he just is searching for the word. Okay. He's not sure if that's the right word. And now we get the big question from the main story. What is your favorite panel? My favorite panel is... Oh, man, there's there's a few of them. I, th- I think the, the winner is on page four, and I, I titled it uh, Groovy Tunes Stone Titans. Oh, yep. Yeah, I, I called that one Everybody High. Yeah. I liked that one a lot. I liked Go Go Lilith, the very first panel of the issue. Yeah. It's less funny, but the first panel of Mal's hallucination, where he's in his spacesuit, it looks so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it, it's just a really it. nice image. It, it I would read a whole comic of that. Yeah, it's, it's really, really cool looking. I love where he releases the balloon and says, don't want this flunky balloon anymore. <laughs> I heard that one too. Right in front of the sign that says drug is page five, funky balloon. And I really liked that. It's, it's a little thing, but it's the sound effect that the train makes that Donna is on within her spy adventure. It's saying clickety clack, rackety rack. Yeah. That made me laugh out loud. Really seems like it should be the chorus in a rap song. But yeah, clickety-clack, rackety-rack is up there. Uh, I I think I am going to go with, for my absolute favorite, though... Oh, jeez, that's tough. I'm going to go with the the first panel of Mouse Hallucination. All right. Because it's really nice. Mal in space. Then we get, and there is a lot of competition for this, favorite slang. There were so many things... But the the one I think that cracked me up the most was was also from the the beginning of Mal's hallucination. Okay. And um and it's not really slang, but it's just him being so befuddled by the situation. It struck me as really funny when he was like, "How did I get the spacesuit? What is this place?" You know, which is maybe how I would react to. Okay, I'm not saying that's not good. Tyler, that's your favorite slang from this incredibly slang heavy issue. I, there was so is a much... panel that has no slang in it. Yes, I, I abandoned this. Corey, thing. you're a real piece of shit. I 
don't agree with you. I, uh, that you you think that is better slang than old freak? He's a laugh from an old horror movie, but his balloons are definitely today. Or don't want this flunky balloon. <laughs> I I did write those things down, but I didn't write them down under the slang column. There was a lot of notes I got or all over the place on this. When Donna is going to the hairdresser, I've got a date with Anatoly, the hairdresser. He's got the latest, kinkiest wigs. Or how about panel two? Oh, there's so many. Hey, Lilith, I dig the doors, but not 26 hours a day. Also, on, on page two, where Mal first refers to it because it comes up again, Mal saying... Big Daddy Jupe will zonk her good. He puts down rock, but hard. That also stood out to me. Or, did you, did you what what other slang did you have written down? I Like I said, I stopped. There was so much that I just... That you decided to do none. I, it just washed over me. I, was, I enjoyed it all. Okay, Miss Witch, you spied into our heads, but how about you? What's your hang-up? What's buried inside your conch? Well, my favorite is, his balloons are definitely today. That's fair. That's so good. Do you have anything else? I think, well, one one thing that we did learn getting back to the Lilith story that mm-hmm. I missed in my notes was that she is from Truxton. Oh, the, that's the mountain town that she's from? Mm-hmm. I think that had come up in the previous story. Yeah, I didn't remember that, but I was wondering where could that be? And uh, it's in like, Kentucky. Is it? Yeah, they it, they said it said she grew up in the mountain town of Kentucky. Ah, I think it was shit. called Truxton. Okay. Well, that's good to know. The principal at Aqualad School was a very creepy-looking fellow. Oh, and he's a dick. He's like the bad guy in an 80s movie. He's very by-the-book. I bet he gets pranked a lot. He seems like a crusty old dean of a 7th grade principal. Yeah, the worst. Yeah. And then uh, there was one other turn of phrase that I... I had always understood the word derelict to mean like like a, like a homeless person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when... Um, Oliver, when uh, Green Arrow is like is training like Speedy, nope. not Speedy, to shoot things, it's like, oh yeah, he's like, can we try the harpoon arrow next? And he's like, yeah, there's this old derelict in the water. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, they're gonna kill a homeless man. Well, it was established in the last issue that Oliver Queen has almost certainly killed a few people. Mm-hmm. He'd probably just have his own pal Superman show up and drag the body out to uh, the cornfield. And yeah, small but field. making a like a ten year old kid like kill the homeless man with a harpoon arrow, I was like, wow. Well, I think the idea behind that was, in case he, he were very careful not to let the guy learn his secret identity. But in case the kid did learn his secret identity, he needs to have some shit on the kid. Mm. And it wasn't like he told the. Oh yeah, no, it was like he told the kid to shoot the, the derelict. derelict. It turned out it was just an old boat. Yeah, it, I think that got they, used in the Aqualad story too. Derelict. The one that they raised that looked like the shape of Italy. I think was the that boot shaped derelict. Reminds me of a famous country. Hmm. I know what it is. It was Louisiana. Boot-shaped derelict. Mm-hmm. I guess that could just mean any piece of flotsam. Flotsam or jetsam. What is the difference? Nothing. They're just great things. The Her- band. Flotsam and jetsam. I know they were the names of the eels that were Ursula's pets in The Little Mermaid. All right. Was there anything else you wanted to bring up in the issue? Just, I'm really bummed that news isn't actually a shitty acronym for Cardinal Directions. I'm sorry. I really thought I learned something today. Yeah, no, it's just new. Uh, like new information, yeah. news. 
Yeah. yeah. High highs, low lows. Indeed. Indeed. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been a delightful issue. I hope you dug it. Um, if you'd like to contact us, please do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com or you can look at the Tumblr page. Yeah, you can look on Facebook, Stitcher, iTunes. We're all over the goddamn map. If you want to check out the Patreon page, you can donate to us through that. It's www.patreon.com backslash ttwasteland. Cool. Well, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey. Ooh, yeah. Get down. Yeah.